Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of Panels and Bars for 2023. I am joined by a very special guest as this week we're going to discuss HBO's The Last of Us. Nick, introduce yourself. What's up, party people? My name is Nick Hampshire. Uh, I am a model, photographer, podcaster, actor, musician, person. Yeah, I dabble in a lot of things. Wear a lot of hats. Yeah, Uh, I'm just a creative. Yeah, I'm just a creative (laughs) dude. That's it. Just put me at that. Nick Hampshire, creative dude. Currently based in Los Angeles, California. What's up? Thank you for coming on the show. So I was going to cover Last of Us this week anyway. And I just thought it was interesting. The reason I got you on is because apart from being another creative and fellow geek like myself, I saw you cover it on your social media. And whilst we're not on total different ends of the spectrum, I feel like we maybe felt different ways about the adaptation. Okay. Um, so for those that don't know, Last of Us is a video game from Naughty Dog Studios. What was it, 2013, the first installment came out? Sounds about right. Uh, yeah, so basically post-apocalyptic zombie game that took the industry by storm. It just, everything about it, the mechanics, the acting, the storyline, the graphics, it just blew people out of the water. The sequel is uh, widely debated, but in my opinion, just as good, if not better. Um, Some of the best storytelling you'll see in any medium, forget video games. So people were really excited when HBO announced that they were going to be adapting the series um, with an incredible cast and the actual writer, director of the game on board. It premiered this past week and has become HBO's most successful premiere in, I think, like a decade. So it's been widely debated. The internet is really behind it. Nick was really behind it. I had some issues. Um, So what we'll try and do is, I think we'll start off with like spoiler-free stuff, and then at some point we'll give you a spoiler warning. And yeah, Nick, why don't you go ahead and tell me what you liked about it? Cool. Uh, All right, so let me start off by saying I'm not these people that is like obsessed with the game i know there are people that like live and die by this game that you know <laughs> this is the best story that's ever been in video games and stuff like i love joel so much i'm like i don't i like it was a good game like i played it i thought it was great like emotionally it resonated really well um but you know it really if i'm being 100 it's like not even in my top 10 probably like Ooh, I, okay it, like it's really not like it's it's great but like i don't know it's just it, it's 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 a great story and really well executed, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things that, like, for starters, I'm not a big like guns person. Like, I don't like games with guns that much. Cool. Not, not that I'm anti-gun. I just, I just find my melee games much more fun. Yeah. Um. So games with like guns, I'm just not super drawn to. But the story was really good, and everyone was talking about how great it was, and it was good. So I did enjoy it. So uh, that being said, coming into the show, I wasn't on some like, you know, some fans are like, they better get it exactly right or I'm going to be mad. Like, that wasn't my tip <laughs> at all. But I'm also not on the side of like, whatever it is, I'm, whatever it is, I'm going to be amazed because it's the best thing it's ever been. Like, I'm not on that side yeah. of it either. So really, I'm coming in like pretty fresh. Like, I'm a fan of the series as like kind of general fan. And all I was really hoping for was a competent TV show that, mm-hmm. you know, honored the show um, and was entertaining of its own on its own accord, you know? And as far as I'm concerned, I think they did a fantastic job. I think that the show really did a great job of capturing uh, the vibe of the of the game. I think that uh, I really like that they leaned. Oh, let me not get too into spoilers. I really like. Um, I mean, I, I feel like man, a lot of the scenes in the first episode felt like you're just watching the game straight up, like the, the opening cut scenes of the game. So really, like it, to me, it very much was replicating that experience, but obviously with like in live action with real actors and stuff. Um, I thought the pacing was good. The acting was outstanding. Um, yeah, you know, like, I, and I think, you know, again, a lot of people are like, oh, Last of Us is the best story that's ever been told in video gaming or whatever. And like, I just kind of started the game. Because again, I don't really like engage with the fandom the way that a lot of people do. I liked the game. That's I thought probably it was cool. the best. And then I moved on. And yeah, no, because like, you know, when, when 2 came out and everyone's very mad about that, and let's not do spoilers, mm. I guess, but... People were really, really mad about a couple of things with that. And I'm like, you guys are ridiculous. Like, this is a yeah. great game. Like, I mean, I, I guess I understand your appreciation for certain aspects of the last game, why you're upset, you know? But, like, it's, like, good storytelling upset. It's not you've betrayed me and this is bad quality yeah. upset. So a lot of that stuff, I was just like, dude, what are you what are you guys even doing? This is, this is a good game. And so, um, yeah, I, I thought that the show did a pretty good job of honoring the characters, honoring the vibe. And yeah, like I was, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do because, and this will be like this last thing I say about it is 
people again, people are like, oh, this is the best story it's ever been told. And I'm like, to, if I can be 100% frank here, I really, the, the story of Last of Us is pretty, pretty cliche. Like, it, in my opinion, yeah. it doesn't really do anything super new. So people are like, oh, it's just like Walking Dead or whatever. Like, yes, it, you know what? It pretty much is like yeah. most other yeah, zombie apocalypse, post-apocalyptic stories. The the what what makes it what elevates it what makes it good is how well the story unfolds. It's the characters and how they're written specifically. So who you're following, and it is, you know, the growth of these characters and ultimately how the story ends that really elevated. I think into you know it's not again it's nothing like. I've never, I've never heard of a story do this before. You know, it's like, oh, this is a familiar story, but like, damn, that was done really well. Yeah, really well said. Yeah, and it's it's funny you touched on that because I was going to touch on that because I think for people that maybe aren't fans of the genre, this might be super fresh. But like you said, if you're big into zombie media, I mean, I think I think you can kind of like break things down into the George Romero period and then everything mm-hmm. after that. And like, I think for a lot of people that aren't familiar with this work, what they don't realize is that what made Ramiro's stuff really groundbreaking was it wasn't just blood and guts and gore. Mm. It was a social commentary. It was talking about consumerism and capitalism. For sure. And, you know, there's almost this kind of, his thing is almost saying like, if there was a zombie apocalypse, would it be any worse than it is right now? Because we all right. are basically zombies. We're like slaves to the, you know, the products. And that was what he was trying to say, which is why he wasn't a fan of The Walking Dead. And in his own words, The Walking Dead is just a soap opera with zombies. And mm. there is nothing wrong with that. But like you said, there are a lot of people nowadays who think they're having this smart deconstruction of the genre when they say the real monsters was man all along. It's like, <laughs> you're not doing anything new. We've been doing that for like 20 plus yeah. years now. True. <laughs> um, and like you say, it's because that element of it isn't new to make these things stand out. It has to be about the characters and their interactions and what drives them. Yeah. And one thing I found really interesting about the game is, you know, we'll get into this later on, but some characters do things that you as a player might not necessarily agree with sure and it is about finding the humanity in those characters and being able to empathize with those characters when they have an ethical dilemma or maybe do something that is the wrong thing to do for possibly the right reason sure you know and so that's what i'm finding i'm, I'm going to be really interested to see how they explore that in the show so like i said i'm not quite on the opposite end of the spectrum from you but i wasn't blown away mm. and before i get into like being super negative i'll get into the things i did like about cool. it so, so like you i really liked the cast thought it was well cast cinematography was gorgeous it wasn't mm. a super special effects heavy episode but it's, i think the stuff we did see was really impressive i think it's no secret by now like it's already gone online and been leaked several places and i think hbo's even uploaded it themselves but there is a one take scene in this and we're in a day and age of like flashy one take scenes but i think first of all this isn't doing it just to do it it is literally ripped from the first game right and second of all it's done so well and it makes sense yeah. i think the thing about a one take is the ones that stand out and are done really well are to immerse you in that story and make you feel sure. what characters feel rather than just be like, hey, it's one take, look how flashy it is. And this does that so well. Like the the tension is completely rammed up. And even for like for someone like you and me who who we know exactly what happens, right. I still found it really tense. And I like sure. every time something happened, I was like, oh my gosh, get out of there, get out of there. Even like and I was screaming at the TV, yeah. but it's like, what are you doing? You know how this ends. <laughs> but like I think that's the sign of good filmmaking when someone who's already played this scenario a hundred times is still engaged and is still on the edge of their seat. So like props to everyone who was behind it technically. Uh, So there's one thing which is new in this, which was the opening scene, which was fantastic. Because if you don't know the law, this basically fills you in on everything that is going to happen in a really clever way. And it's really well directed, really well acted. And it goes, it's basically just a TV talk show that starts really lighthearted and in the space of about three minutes, just descends into yeah. the most depressing, <laughs> gloomy... Yeah, they really crushed like, it. ...summary really, of what's happening. And yeah, it was so well done. Really, really well done. I really appreciated that. And I and a big thing that I like about this game, as well as what the show does too, is um, I guess this is a slight spoiler, but you're going to watch it. And they pretty much get to it right away. So I like that they really lean heavily on like the fungus element of it rather than yes. just like your typical zombie. So that does give it like a little bit of different vibe and aesthetic and i like how well they were able to execute that in the show to really give it like okay it's not like just the walking dead like this is a kind of new thing and we will see how how different it actually does get as we see different things that will be coming down the line you know and i've always loved that element of it because it's it's 
adds a new element of danger to zombies because obviously, as we know, most of them are loud and shuffling. And so in a real world scenario, wherever you were, you could just listen out for them and you'd be okay. Yeah. But in an area where like you don't know where any of these spores could be, you don't know what could be growing or like it, it adds this new element of danger to a world that's already dangerous because you're dealing yeah, with exactly. infected. You're dealing with other people trying to take your resources and possibly your life. So yeah, I think it's great they got that in really early and to those who are unestablished in this world it kind of fills you in on things so the things i didn't like i don't hate these things i was just slightly disappointed so mm. i've seen people i've already i've already had arguments about this on twitter i personally feel like whilst the set, de- the set design was fantastic and a lot of locations looked great there were certain places where i felt like that doesn't look like a real place that looks like a set and most specifically mm. the set the settlement when they were going past like a lot of the boarded up houses. And maybe this is, you know, I've been on sets and I've seen this kind of right. thing. So maybe it's, that's informing it. But sure, sure. It just kind of looked like that's a soundstage, mm. which isn't a be all and end all, but it did take me out of a few scenes. Okay. And then, so this is going to be the spiciest hot take. And I know people are probably going to get at me straight away. I love Pedro Pascal. I think he's incredible. I think he's super talented. I think... His charisma, which is one of the main things that people love about him, works against him in this role, right? Mm. And here's the thing. Because Joel has become such a beloved character, I think people forget that in the first game, for the first half of it, he's not the most likable person. Yeah, right? sure. And that's that's part of the journey. It's because their bond eventually breaks him down, you know, because he's built this defense. He's right. built this wall because of who he's lost and what he's lost. Right. And he doesn't want to let anyone else in, especially another young girl who very closely resembles the person he loved most. Sure. Shit. I guess we're in spoilers now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to spoilers from here. <laughs> okay. So sorry for everyone who didn't know that, but Jolie loses his daughter very early in the story. It determines sure. who he is as a character and his decisions going forward. And that is basically that's the heart of this franchise and it's the heart of the story. Right. And so... Part of that experience is watching him go from like gruff one word answers to starting to explain things to her like a father would explain things to a daughter to start sure. to get protective and his body language loosens up and he laughs a bit more and he starts, you know, he becomes the person that I think we've always knew was underneath, but you don't see it initially. The problem with Pedro Pascal is even when he's trying to be gruff and one word, He's super nice. And like, it's not hard to imagine these guys getting close at all. So like, that's not, <laughs> I think, a failing of the writing or the directing. But I think casting someone like him, especially when we've already seen him in a quite similar role as the Mandalorian, you know what I mean? Like, it it didn't quite translate to me. Like, he's still amazing. I still love watching him. But I didn't quite feel what I felt in the game of like, oh, these guys are getting close, that she's breaking down his defenses. Like, I didn't feel that as much as I felt in the game. Well, let me ask this, I guess. Do you think that based on his performance or your familiarity with the actor? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I think maybe what I know of him could be influencing my take on it. Because I think the performance was great, but I understand what you're saying. Because like, you know, you, you are still like, you know, it's Peter Pascal and you do like him and you know, like, you're, you're still kind of rooting for him even that, as that actor. You know what I mean? It's that same issue where, like, you know, famous guys that have played other roles, it's like you try to see them in a different role and you're like, yeah, but it's, you know, Jim Carrey. Like, yeah. yeah you just you know, did Jenny Jones. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly that. You know, Han Solo. You're just Han Solo. It's like, even if, yeah, if Harrison Ford was to go do, like, you know, a villain role, you know, it's all, you know what? It's kind of similar is when, um, I think it was called, is it 12 hour photo or 11 hour photo? The Robin Williams you know that movie? One? Yeah. With Robin Williams? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so a lot of people had a problem seeing him as a villain in that because he's Robin Williams. Exactly. Yeah. But his performance is actually really good. Yeah. So it's 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 you you have to you have to really like how much of that is on you as the viewer to be like okay I need to put my shit aside like you could argue bad yeah. casting because the viewer is gonna have this issue but at the end of the day I think like you really have to like try to do your best as the viewer to separate that and just judge the performance like do you think Pedro Pascal's performance is offering that kind of gener- generosity and like warmth already or are you just reading that out of the actor because you're familiar that with could them, you be know? true yeah that's okay yeah that's that's i hadn't thought of that that's very true yeah because i do love him i think he's fantastic and everything and like i said i think he's good in this i i just felt like i i felt like from the first scene i liked him right and the thing yeah. about joel is when you first see him, he's very he's very closed off he's got got no time for anyone he's like lost his humanity um 
and and you know I'm going off the, the the pilot, so this could get a lot better, and they could go more into depth. With yeah. That. But like I said, that was a tiny issue we had. Another one, and this is like really nitpicky, just me being a nerd asshole. But um, <laughs> that's what we're here for, when right? When they did, right? <laughs> when they did the uh, the jump forward in time, I mean, and it, once again, this is not it's not his fault. That he's got great genetics and he looks great. But like, <laughs> it felt like they had just kind of sprinkled some flour on his bed and were like, cool, yeah. we'll call it a day. Like, I agree. I agree. The aging didn't look. But you know, like, that's how some people be aging, though. You know what I mean? Like, you look at some cele- like, like, celebrities, whatever, like, even family members, it's like, you know, that age of like, you know, between like 30 to 50, like, there's, you know, if you're taking care of yourself, whatever, there's not a lot that changes in the, unless you're living this really poorly, I mean, you know? I mean, Angela Bassett just won a Golden Globe and she I'm looks saying. better than she did 20 years ago. So. Yeah, right. So it's like that 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 age window, you know, I mean, it's, but I but I agree, definitely, like, for 20 years, you're like, you still look pretty good there, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like I said, those are, like, maybe my minor quibbles. I slightly disagreed with you on pacing. I thought some of the pacing was great and I thought some of it wasn't. I felt like it didn't really know what to do with itself at points. Mm. Um, and maybe because they had to expand on stuff like his backstory and his relationship with his daughter. I think there was some slight filler in it. Not crazy, but I also think I'm fine mm. with that because you've got to establish things to people that aren't familiar with the law. And knowing the law, I think once we get into episode two, it's sure. all go. Because once they head out into the city and they start on that quest, it's just insane. They they run into so many people. They've got some yeah. dodge. And then, oh, the one last thing I kind of was like, eh, and this is not a deal breaker, but... So obviously, because we're into spoiler territory, and I'm just going to explain this for the people that are reading, are listening to this part, but haven't played the game. Sure. Ellie's infected, and she is immune, and so that is part of why Joel is tasked with accompanying her. They want to take her to a surgeon who hopefully can extract some kind of antibodies or something, and potentially she could be the savior of humanity. Hell yeah. I felt the way they dumped her bite was just kind of haphazard and like that's it i mean i was mm. actually was first at first i was impressed that they did it in the first episode right but like the kind of way it just happens and it happens in scene where there's so much going on these guys are already on the run yeah They've just being caught joe doesn't want to hurt his friend or at least associate but yeah. he's kind of like it, you know, like i get it the whole point of that scene was like it, this is so chaotic and we need to get out of here yeah but like it just kind of felt like it got slipped in there. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's almost like, uh, I, I feel like they're doing what you wanted, but either you didn't like how they did it or whatever. But like, all right, so you said, I'm surprised they showed it in the first episode. But I think, so I think their way of doing you know, like, okay, I, I think they're like, all right, I think it's kind of like, uh, like almost hinting it. But instead of just hinting it, they're like, they just throw it into the mix so that, you know, if you're paying attention and you haven't seen the show, you were like, oh, you're starting to figure it out. And if you weren't paying attention or like you were caught up in the action, you might have missed, you might be like, what did I just see? And then now you won't yeah. know until you address it later. You know what I mean? Yeah. So rather than leaving it hidden entirely, they're like throwing it in the mix with everything else and just be like, hey, like maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't kind of thing, you know? Yeah, that's how it seemed. I mean, it almost seemed like Joel didn't even process what he'd heard. I guess because he's yeah. so busy trying to make sure the soldier's incapacitated and he's got a weapon. He For didn't sure. seem to hear everything that was like going off behind him. So a very interesting way to handle it. Yeah, I think I, like, I would honestly feel better judging how that scene came across by asking a few people that are have, that are unfamiliar with the story because obviously as yes. people that know the story we're like oh they're like i know exactly what she's talking about you know when she's being hella cryptic yeah. in the beginning like obviously a new viewer would have no idea what the fuck they're talking about and so yeah. as people that know we're like oh they're talking about it oh there it is like we know everything you know um <laughs> yeah. and so it's hard to really gauge like oh like how well is this being delivered like is this coming across yeah. well or not it's it's hard for us to tell because we know. So I think really yeah. to know if it's doing well would be to ask somebody that is unfamiliar with the story, you know? It's it's a weird tightrope to walk. And I think you're almost in the perfect spot because like you said, you're not super married to the narrative. You're not like super yeah. married to this fandom. I'm not quite on the crazy... Toxic obsessive, no yeah. women in video yeah, games yeah. toxic yeah, side yeah. of it. Um, but I did love the characters. I did really love my experience with it. And I, I do have like great memories of it. Um, not to the point where... I'm like, oh, they've changed the race of his daughter. Like, I don't give a shit about that stuff. It's great. Yeah. Um, I think the problem I have is because I'm as much of a fan of it as I am, like, I see the characters a certain way. So, like, when I first saw the poster for this, I was excited, but it also felt kind of cosplay-y, if that makes sense. Mm. And so I think going forward, what I'll have to do is just, like, 
divorce myself from being really married to that and just yeah, understand it. it's another interpretation, right? Absolutely. You know, like there are people out there who Tobey Maguire is always going to be their Spider-Man. It's like, well, right. Tom Holland exists now, man. Like that's, he's not <laughs> yeah, exactly. destroying what Toby's done. He's a different yeah. interpretation. The same way, like if you love comic books, just because Neil Adams draws Batman this way, it doesn't mean that Frank Miller can't draw him this way. Like yeah, exactly. it's the same character, it's through a different lens. And so I think that'll probably be the main like kind of obstacle I have to get past. But I mean, the production sure. values and the acting is so good. I don't think I'm going to have a problem doing it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, honestly, I think the best the best way to be watching the show right now, sad to say, is the people that don't know anything about it. You know what I mean? Like the people that have no never played the game. And enjoy like I think they're going, yeah. yeah, no expectations. And, and they get the first time to experience the story. You know what I mean? Like as people that have already yeah. played it, like, you know, um, you know, as soon as the show comes on and, you know, Joel's there with his daughter, you're like, well, <laughs> like I – I know it's gonna, you know. So even when it yeah. happens, it's like, it's like to their to their credit again. Like I was in the feels for her and, and everything. I think they did a great job, like getting all that stuff across. So that's again why I was really impressed. And honestly, I think I need to kind of clarify my video because I was like, oh, you know, amazing, you know, ten out of ten and stuff. But I think I was saying that in, in regards to like how well I think it represented the show. Is that I was that excited at how well I felt it translated. Like I feel like if I was just judging this on like as a show i don't think i would have quite said a 10 out of 10 probably still like yeah. 8.5 maybe even a 9 i don't know again it's hard to really know how i would view it if it, i had it is to a play funny thing though right because we're in like this you know air quotes golden age of television mm. and you know post mad men breaking bad the shield like production values are up writing is up so you're 100 right like as a kid i would have killed for a show like this yeah and i think you know like I said, a lot of the stuff I have, the problems I have with it are being being very nitpicky. Because yeah. like, that's where the bar is. Like, I'm looking at right. like, Game of Thrones and... <laughs> yeah, and of like, So this is the funny thing. Like, I haven't been the biggest fan of House of the Dragon, which everyone else loves. And it's mm. like, it is a good show. And I think it's because I'm holding it to the standard of, you know, the first few seasons of Game of Thrones. Which yeah, incredible. exactly. Which, which so, it is not, for sure. It, yeah, you know, and so this is the thing, but like, it's still great TV as, as, as a standalone thing. Right, yeah. The, but, yeah, the first us. few seasons of Game of Thrones is like 10 out of 10. And so it's like you're watching House of Dragon, like, this isn't a 10. So it's, fa you're failing. Exactly. You're failing. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and it's like, you know, Last of Us is like. Make I it mean, a 10. Right? And this thing, it's like, look at the days of Street Fighter. We would have killed for an adaptation that was like <laughs> yeah. this dedicated, disrespectful of the law. Sure. And so I feel like whatever happens with this, it's going to be a great thing. It's a, it's a great thing, the fact that it's premiered to like more people than HBO sure. has seen in the past decade. Because rather than, you know, just before we start recording this, Nick and I were talking about Uncharted. <laughs> and I don't want to like badmouth that movie because I don't think anyone ever sets out to make a bad movie. There were probably loads of really dedicated costume designers set designers absolutely, special absolutely. effects artists stunt professionals who worked really hard and unfortunately just didn't work you know so no one sets out to make a bad project but unfortunately it felt like maybe that film was controlled by the wrong people and maybe the executives were just trying to build a franchise and hopefully this will send the right message to hollywood that like when you take these things seriously as actual stories and works of art that mean something to people you can get really good results. I'm hoping that's what, what comes of this, you know? So Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's funny and kind of crazy because it's funny and kind of crazy how badly they have continuously fucked up video game translations. Uh, because, and like, okay, don't get me wrong, like early days of video gaming, you know, the video game, they, they didn't, like the early, early stuff didn't obviously have plots, like Mario, Pong, whatever, you know, these, these games yeah. didn't have plots really. So like, you know, to try to make a movie out of it, it's like, dude, you're basically like, let, I, let's look at the Mario to the Mario Brothers movie from, you know, 88 or whatever. It's like, you know, I give them major props on the imagination, but that was clearly not the video game. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> um, but then as we, you know, as the game started getting better graphically, we started getting far more realistic and, and uh, well-executed storylines and plot lines. Mm. Um, you know, Metal Gear Solid. You know, I, I remember one of the first times... There was a Metal Gear movie? It's so it's in pre-production. I don't know like when we're gonna see it. But oh, oh good. Thank God. Yeah. No, I didn't I didn't even know it was in production. Yeah, so much good. And so, you know, honestly, I remember one of the first like, okay, again, video games were like kind of crazy. And like, you know, the video games are not at least a lot of, a lot of the early ones, and even today, like there's a there's just like books, just like any medium, like you or plays, like you write to your medium, right? And so like video mm -hmm. games, they do a lot of stuff that just wouldn't make sense in a movie, but in a or in a TV show, but in a, in a video game, like you can take it to this ridiculous place that like, you don't need to worry about like the realism 
of it or anything like that, right? But I remember one of the first times that I was like, oh, this like should be great was uh, Max Payne. Did you, did you ever play that yeah. game and watch the movie? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that that game is a movie. Like literally, it's very 100%. grounded. It's very like you literally you're playing that game and it's like you're watching a movie. Like the only kind of crazy yeah. kind of crazy thing is like you know when you're tripping uh, and like following the dead baby. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> that was like kind of crazy. But even that you could do in a movie. Um, yeah. And, you know, get kind of crazy with it, whatever. But it, like literally, like you're like, dude, it's all here for you. And then you, we watch the movie, and you're like, yo, how did you fuck what this up? Yep. Like, how did you? Like, it was already a movie. Like playing that yeah. game, you're like, wow, it feels like I'm playing a movie. And then you watch the movie, I feel and you're the like, same yo, way about Resident Evil. How? Well, yeah, of course. That that first game, like it's got the cinematics, it's got like, and the thing about the first, the first, it, it was weird to me that when they adapted it, they instantly went for like huge budget. You yeah, know, over the top because like the thing that works about that first one is it takes a lot from the Romero school of zombies, right? Where it's like there might only be one after you, but you've got a hurt leg, you've got only like three shells in the chamber, you have to right. be smart. Like that's what worked about it. It was that horrible tension of like there's barely any sound, you yeah. know, what's around the corner, and you don't know how you're going to survive if there is something around the corner. And I don't think you need to make it this huge, bombastic, like, Hollywood blockbuster. Like, if you just get someone who does atmospheric horror really well, yeah, that's it. It's money yeah, in the bank. But I think here's, here's you know, kind of the same problem that there was with Mario Brothers. Like, it's been interesting because I actually went back and rewatched that. Have you seen that movie? The Mario yes. Brothers movie? Okay. Yeah. So the, so the funny thing about that, and, like, I kind of been, like, taking a look back at video games and movies and stuff uh, as the newer ones are coming out. And all right, so when the Mario Brothers movie came out, I was reading an article that was essentially saying that Nintendo was like very purposely trying to make a make a more adult film to mm. attract uh, people that didn't play the video game to watch the movie. And like, I guess I understand that in that era because in the eighties, like, video games were thought to be a fad. They were like almost dead for a little while, and then like Nintendo yeah. came out and it was booming. But even then, like people didn't really understand the video game market and like how, yes. how to, how to um, like play to it. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. so initially their idea was, okay, we already have the kids playing video games. Now we need to go after an entirely different market of adults to bring them in. Bad idea. Cause now you're, you're bailing on your fan base. Right. Okay. And yeah. so that's how we got Mario brothers, which honestly, again, as an imaginative, like exploration and creativity, it's amazing. It's really, I mean, it's an yeah. awful movie, but it is, very funny. Yeah. But there's ideas there. There are ideas dude, there, and it's like so they're trying ideas. something. It's so crazy. <laughs> and, as, you know, dude, it is a bizarre, weird fucking film, but it is very <laughs> cool in, in a certain way. Um, but okay, okay. So then so then, let's fast forward to uh, the Resident Evil time, right? And now, and now the video game market is far more – it's grown. It's bigger. Uh, people know – the companies know how to play to it. But now it's like, okay – Here's the video games. It's kids that are going to be doing this. So we have to make like kid friendly movies because now we do need to play to our market. Kids like big budget stuff. Like you're not, you're not going to hire an indie director to make a movie with three zombies and a tight atmospheric A24 <laughs> yeah, movie uh, to appeal to the kids that are playing these video games. Like that's just not yeah. going to happen. You know, uh, now it could, because again, well, like the, the industry has been evolving and we can see how they, how, this stuff has evolved in how you can deconstruct even like comic books, you know, and the comic book movie has done, let's say a similar um, journey, right? Like it started yes. as, Oh, these need to be for kids. And then, you know, they were very zany and too over the top. And then as they kind of started coming out and being more successful, like, Oh, we actually need to make a little more mature and we get the dark Knight and stuff like that. And like, okay, cool. And yeah. then you start seeing like, Oh, we can make a rated R movie and get Logan and Deadpool. And you're like, Oh shit. So we can make these for adults. And you can make these kind of like art house films that are a lot uh, like, more niche, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, but it just was never going to happen back then. But no, yeah, like you're, you're, you're definitely right. And, it, and, and you know, it kind of sucks because you've put the idea of an A24 Resident Evil in my head now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it is, it is an interesting trajectory. Like I really hope that this is kind of a landmark moment. And, you know, because right now there are so many amazing properties and there's even properties that like have been gathering dust for the past couple of decades, but like sure. with the right budget. I mean, like I know I'm the only person on the planet that wants to see it, but Streets of Rage movie. I'd be like all over that, man. Hell yeah. You know, and then like, I think like, you know, and you talk about the kids stuff and I think the film industry is also in a great place where like you can do stuff for kids where they respect kids a lot more. I think Pixar has been like really, 
important for that. Like, I haven't seen it yet, but I, people are going crazy about the new Puss in Boots movie. I've heard. Yeah, like, apparently it's amazing. Yeah, it's really high mark. Yeah, so, like, hearing stuff like that, I'm like, I'd fully be up for, like, a Kirby movie now, like, you know? Yeah. The, the tricky stuff with, I think, that stuff, uh, especially, like, Streets of Rage or Street Fighter and one of the reasons, Mortal Kombat even, and one of the reasons why we have such hard time with those versus, like, Last of Us, it's, like, Last of Us is, like, a pretty singular vision. Like, it, it almost didn't matter yes. who came in to do it. Like, the game is what it is. Like, anybody who likes that game pretty much likes it for the same exact reasons. Versus yes. when you go to, like, a Street Fighter or Streets of Rage, like, people like it for different reasons. So you want some people that probably loved the first Street Fighter movie for what it was. And if you try to make it too – oh, what did they do that with recently? Or, you know what I mean? Like, even, like, the remake of RoboCop, right? Like, part of what made the original RoboCop so good is that it's so fucking ridiculous, right? Like, that was, yeah. it was great. <laughs> And so you have somebody that comes in like, oh, this could be a really like dark, serious sci-fi movie. And then like, I'm sure that was cool to that guy who wrote that script that way. But then the fan base is like, bro, that's not what we wanted. That's not what we liked about it, yeah. you know? I remember there was a video just before Robocop came out when none of us really knew what it was going to be. And someone was like, he'd done this top five tips for the producers of Robocop. And the first four tips were like really serious. And then the last one was like, Call it anything other than Robocop. <laughs> yeah, right. Which is 100% right. Because like you said, like that's not Robocop to a lot of people. Yeah. And he was like, you could literally call it Cyborg Police Officer. Yeah. And I'd watch it first day. But if you call it Robocop, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think with some franchises, there's been so many iterations, so many stylistic changes. It's like, where do I start with yeah. this? Um, and like you said, that's the great thing about Last of Us. It's got like... I kind of think you just know where it's going to go. And yeah, exactly. yeah, because like even like Tekken, right? It's like depending on which character you might decide to follow, that's a completely different movie. Like you follow an Eddie yeah, Gordo movie versus a, a Jin movie versus, you know what I mean? A fucking Panda yeah. movie or a God movie. <laughs> it's like these are very I would different love the panda movies. Panda movie, though. Yeah, right. I would love like, the Panda movie. <laughs> so, and so that's the thing. Like you might like that, but then somebody else is like, why the fuck are they doing a Panda movie? You know what I mean? And so yeah. it's like tricky. And I think Resident Evil kind of felt like, because like while some people really, and this is why I wanted to reference my friend's podcast because he was like, I don't think, like, what is the tone of these movies? Because, like, have they played the games? But even, I think, those games in particular, like, they are kind of, like, depending on who's playing them, might be getting something else out of it. Like, some people like the really slow, like, horror elements of the first one, but some people like the action pace, like, of the later games, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, some people like just the basic zombies and, like, the survival mode, but some people like the action running gun elements of some of the later games and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So it is really, like, you know, who, like, who are the creative people doing it and what is, it, like, what is what was their vision? And certain properties have a lot of uh, different angles you can take away from that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, again, with, like, Mortal Kombat, like, you could do a very dark, serious version of that, but then some people might be like, dude, like, Mortal Kombat's fun, like, fun fatalities and stuff. Yeah. So, like, some people, like, you're never going to please everybody. Like, there's not a singular vision of what that's going to look like. Um, but that still doesn't give you an excuse because, like, even even with that being said, quality is still quality. So It's like the new Mario Brothers is looking a little goofy to me. I also understand I'm not the target audience. So of course, it's going to be goofy. Yeah. But when I, one thing I will say is from a technical standpoint, the animation looks flawless. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, it's such a great day and age to be a kid because CG is just, like, insane now. Like, yeah. I, I can't... I'm so excited for these kids in, like, 20, 30 years. Like, who knows what this stuff is going to... I feel like, you know, the term photorealistic gets thrown around a lot. But I right. think in 30 years, they'll be there. For sure. To the point that it might break your brain because, obviously, someone with mario's physicality could not exist in the right, 3d right. realm but you'll be questioning it in 30 years i'll give you a really great example too is uh the the pokemon movie dude like looked amazing and had a pretty interesting ish story but at the end of the day i was like y'all really just made a kids movie like you could have definitely made an yeah. adult an adult cool like the lego movie is a fire movie it, it works 100 as a kids movie but 100%. it is super entertaining for adults and I thought yes. Pokemon, and I'm like, dude, you guys know for a goddamn fact that at least, uh, it's got to be at least half, or I'm assuming more, but it's got to be at least half of your fans are adults at this point. There's no way. Look, look, look a few years ago when uh, Pokemon Go was the thing worldwide. It was adults roaming the street. Right, so, exactly. Like, it was adults on the on the subway on the way to work exactly. who were engrossed in that game. So, like, they know where the money's coming from. Yeah, it's right. people that play this thing as kids and couldn't let it go and still love it to this day. Exactly. And so I was like, why wouldn't you make a movie like Lego Movie or something that, like, functions as, a, as an adult's movie but also plays the kids, too? Because instead of yeah. watching, like, this is good. Like, the CGI is amazing. The story is, you know, fine. But at the end of the day, I'm like, 
this is like there's no like layers to this. It's just a kids movie. It's a fine kids movie. I'm sure if I was a kid, 100%. I probably loved it. But I'm like, as an adult, I'm a little bored. Like, there's just not a lot for me here. So I, mean, I so when Spider Verse came out, I went to the press screening of that, Oof, and like a so bunch good. of the the people there had brought their kids, mm. and like at the end of it, everyone just burst into applause, and you could tell the adults were more excited than the kids. Oh like, hell yeah! Like you say, like if you're a kid, you're gonna love it. It looks great. It's fun. It's got loads of good jokes. But as an adult, the writing is tight. It's got great, uh, great arcs for all the characters. Like it respects its audience. Same creators and, as Lego know, Movie. Like, there you go, right? Lord, like Lord, Lord and Miller. Miller. I mean, have yeah, have you seen um? Have you seen the Mitchells? Oh yeah, they killed it, man. So I mean, good. But like yeah, like just have them do all these properties because they love they love these properties they respect the audience like i was gonna say we're going on a tangent now but oh yeah you know they were the original directors for solo right i I don't want to even think about it i was gonna say did you know about the canceled men in black movie oh yeah with 21 jump street yeah i mean like Channing Tatum said to this day it's the best script he's ever read that's oh i didn't know there was even a script i just thought it was like an idea there's a script that's dope yeah so there was a script i think i think you know i think the problem was and this is what's so weird about it. Sony were like, uh, we're not really sure about Men in Black as a property we want to pull the trigger on again. And so it never got off the ground. But then they still went and made Men in Black International. Yeah. Like, it's Whack. just bizarre. They, they should have just done the creators who yeah. have given you, like, two box office hits. you got two stars who are huge at the time. Will Smith was yeah. willing to come back. Oh, like, was why he? Why would That's you not dope. do it? Yeah. Yeah, man, that was money in the bank. I think, the, I think um, Tommy Lee Jones was on the fence. Um, but then I think Josh Brolin was in it. So you would have got Josh Brolin. Yeah. Like, it's just... Yeah. I don't want to talk about 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street, no joke, are two of the funniest movies I've seen in the past decade. Like, they're they so definitely good. in my like, top The second has no right to be as good as it is. Like, <laughs> Dude, it's so good. Amazing. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, Last of Us. Yeah. Last of Us. Yeah, like, back to what we're talking about. <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to ask you in a minute, like, what are your expectations for the series? Um, but before we get into that, one thing I had totally forgotten to give props to like first of all like like i said every element of this were firing on all cylinders like like i said even though i think a lot of the set design looked set designy it was still fantastic yeah costumes fantastic because like i said when you have characters who are this iconic it is hard to recreate those costumes without it feeling like cosplay or something like that yeah they sure did really well and whoever is doing like the the physical i don't even know what this kind would fall into if it's makeup or it's prop design but when they see the infected who has grown into the wall and like oh incredible absolutely because that is something that is so well realized visually in the game that i didn't even know if they'd be able to match it yeah and man that it was just a a split a split second that we saw of it but it got me so hyped for what we're going to see in the series like are they going to adapt the designs exactly are they going to put a little bit of a hbo spin on it like i can't wait i think they've got a really talented group behind it if that's anything. yeah that's kind of what i was saying earlier is i think the lean into the fungus stuff to really differentiate it from like the walking especially because the walking dead still even though it's not quite as popular as it once was is still like massively present in like the public consciousness you know mm. what i mean so if you're doing another zombie show you're gonna draw comparisons no doubt like everyone is yeah. just gonna compare it. so you really gotta like go the extra mile to make sure that and that's why i think i feel like they did a good job really pushing the fungus element like with the like the plants coming out the mouth of uh, the zombies and stuff and and yeah and, and yeah that guy yeah, showing the details of the guy on the wall it really will create that atmosphere that does differentiate it pretty well from uh, the walking dead or other zombie properties so going forward what are your hopes for the series to be honest again as someone that wasn't super obsessed with the game i've only played it the one time and i really other than like that main like i remember the beginning really well which we've now gotten out of the way and i remember you know, a couple of like main, like, like the big stuff I remember. And like, obviously the end is obviously like super iconic. So a lot of the in-between stuff I kind of don't remember. So I, I, I probably wouldn't even notice how much it differentiates from the game at this point, which I'm actually pretty excited about. Cause like, I'll definitely, like I knew first episode, I'm like, all right, I'm pretty much going to know everything that's going to happen in this episode before it happens. Yeah. But I think the next few episodes I'll probably be mostly in the dark for. There's really probably only three or four moments that I have pretty clear in my brain that I'm sure will still be in the, in the uh, show. I am curious to see where they will end the season, though. Um, yes. So for everyone that hasn't played the game, but is like sticking with us for the spoiler content. So essentially, when Joel finds out what his purpose is, he agrees. He takes Ellie on the journey. But upon getting to their destination, Joel finds out that for the operation to be a success, Ellie would have to die. And he decides he loves her. He's not going to lose someone else he loves. 
and he tries to remove her and the only way he can do that is to kill the surgical team that are going to do the trick he then when she awakes tells her was it was it was a bust but we're going to keep moving and don't worry everything's gonna be fine spoiler for the second game but you find out later on that she pretty much figures it out confronts him and they fall out so you've got if they continue to do this a couple of seasons worth of tv and like nick says will they will it end where the game ended or are they gonna make two or more seasons out of this first game or like who knows i think they'll pro- i imagine that they'll do two see at least two seasons of the first game alone like without so popular too, yeah. i don't i don't know but that's the thing i don't know where you would end story-wise at season one in the game yeah i like i don't remember the story well enough to think of like where a good like this is it, break yeah. would be so i don't know i'm really curious i do really hope that we get into uh and then it's one of those things where, like if you write it if you write it and you're anticipating that a second season happens but then it doesn't. Are they going to leave us on a potential cliffhanger? <laughs> like that, that's the risk uh, for we sure, take. I didn't think. Mean. Yeah, but I mean, I think you know. I, think I mean, don't, we, worry, don't, don't worry. It's going to be a massive hit. But yeah, like, absolutely. If we lived in a world when it didn't, that yeah. would be super disappointing. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you watched. Did you watch Watchmen? Yes. See, I mean, that, and that's that season was great because, like, even though it was written as one season, that ending works either way. You can take it as just an ambiguous ending, and you figure out in your head yeah or if hbo ever pulls the trigger in a season two they put it in a great place to set up a second season so for sure and i honestly i absolutely love that they honored the material enough to like not push it like lindelof was basically like i don't have anything else to say so i'm not yeah so you know he just kind of left it on the table and i'm like i appreciate the fuck out of that because yeah especially because that show is just all right so like real quick tangent i guess when I heard, you know, when they, they, oh, we're making a sequel to Watchmen. Like, everybody was like, dude, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, nobody right. asked for this. There's no way you can do it. Like, this, like, you're pissing nerds off everywhere. And then, you know, I'm, I'm watching first episode, like, arms crossed, like, all right, let's see what this bullshit is, right? And when that shit opens up on that opening scene, no spoilers for people that haven't seen it, but that opening scene of the show, I'm like, yo. Yeah. You, one, you have my unmitigated, you have my fucking full attention right now. Two, like you're no longer just ris- risking pissing off nerds. Like you're risking pissing off black people all over. Not even just yeah. pissing us off, but hurting black people. If this show yeah. isn't good, isn't fucking excellent, mm-hmm. and they fucking did it. I'm like, wow, they knocked it out of the park. And and you know, it's funny because I was thinking initially, I'm like, why would you, like you you've taken an already like absurd tightrope walk of making a sequel to Watchmen, and now you've made it like you've like put it in a ring of fire now. By adding the racial yeah. component. <laughs> but when I thought about it, I'm like, honestly, the racial component is what makes the show worthwhile. Like, if you didn't do that, if you just made a Watchmen sequel and left it at that, like, I would be like, why be does point? this exist? Yeah. Exactly. So you needed to take such a high risk in order to make it worthwhile. And and the fact that, again, yeah. they did it, they, they sealed it with one episode, with one season, like, quality was outstanding. And I'm like, dude, I don't even, I don't know where you would take it from here. And I doubt you could, could maintain this quality because exactly. it was done as you know it was intended to kind of be a closed circuit on this and i appreciated that so much i know it was a great show i know people are like oh i want to see more i'm like dude i'm so happy with what we got it works Fucking it leave is it. what it is and it works leave it yeah. absolutely yeah. who who is lube man who is lube man we may never know but it's fine so the great thing is if you have time when you finish this and anyone who's listening who's seen the series and doesn't know the answer hbr actually answered it oh um, did they i mean i think it's crumbs it's got to be the guy, right? The the the, the assistant, right? It is, yeah. Okay, it I mean, it was it seemed pretty clear. Yeah, basically, they they made a website that has like the FBI's files. Oh, nice. And so, the FBI knows who he is, and is like, it's weird, but he closes cases. It's just like, oh. <laughs> well, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was so the only thing like that made sense, but it was funny. They just like left that like out there. They just leave it and don't even pick it up in the show. And I love stuff like so that. Funny. You know, yeah. Like, so yeah. So so I think. I, I think they did right. Uh, I think I imagine they knew Last of Us was going to be in, like knock out of the park again because it's such a singular vision. They knew like as long as we do a good job, like it, like there's no case of like oh we we've done we put it, we've done it in the wrong direction and it's not like dude you know exactly what to make as long as it's quality yeah. it's going to do it and so I, I don't you know exactly. yeah and, and I would always rather see honestly as, as sucky as it is as it is to end on a cliffhanger and the show gets canceled I think I would always rather that than like a rushed final season or yeah. um, or you know, a uh, a show that you like just crammed it in, or or, or yeah, that that you're writing as both. Like I like just risk it, let it let it ride, and either we you know we end on a cliffhanger or we get another season. I would I kind of would always prefer that than like a rushed kind of like oh no we have to end it blah blah blah. So I th- okay. I think this will go okay, the distance. So I, 
agree, and I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Um, so if you haven't seen it yet, I would recommend it. Like I said, I don't think it's perfect, but I also think we're kind of spoiled for perfect TV right now. So the bar is very high, and for a video game adaptation to be reaching that, it's it's a credit to everyone involved. I am looking forward to seeing where it goes. And we just have a bit of a microscope on it as a fan, you know, like we we, we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I need to kind of remove myself and my expectations from it and just enjoy it as a singular piece of media, as a single story. Definitely. Yeah. So we'll move on to the final part of our show, which is what's really good, where we find out what we've been into enjoying this week. So Nick, what have you been enjoying? What's really good? I mean, it's not super new right now, but the Harley Quinn cartoon is awesome. I, I did try that new Velma show and I was not a fan. That's that's not what's good. No, but, uh, I'm sorry. It, like, it, I love Scooby-Doo <laughs> and I've loved Scooby-Doo my whole life. But that show is trash. Dude, I don't even, like, I mean, I liked Scooby-Doo growing up, but I don't really have, like, a, you know, I, yeah, it was great as a kid. I haven't watched any of, like, the newer ones. I really don't have a super tie. Like, they could have, they could have bastardized the characters entirely, and I really wouldn't have cared as long as the show was good. It's just you not a very good show, out, in my opinion. Like You need to check out what's new Sco um, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. That is, like, it's it's probably the closest they've got me before this to pretty much just flat out, like, owning the fact that Shaggy is a massive um, pothead. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's that thing we were talking about earlier, like, the balance of, like, if you had to babysit a younger sibling, they're obviously going to enjoy it, but there's stuff in there for you too. Right. The animation style is fantastic. Cool. But I, but I think it happened at a time when like a lot of Adult Swim stuff was happening mm. and a lot of those kind of cartoons were getting pushed to the forefront. So the, the mainstream audience didn't really catch on to it, but okay. it's the best modern uh, interpretation of the characters by a mile. And it's a shame that that didn't really get any hype and this has been getting pushed so well. I yeah, don't want to, like rag on the people that made it, but it just seems like Velma's a bit trying. Yeah, I think the 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 animation I think is really cool, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> like yeah, the comedy, but but wait, no, this is this is a segment of what what's good. I just finished White Lotus actually. I'm a little bit late on that, but White Lotus was really good. So I I I finished first season and I loved it. Yeah. And my partner said to me, okay, well, then we have to watch second season. Um, so I'm kind of waiting for like nights when we're both free. Oh, uh, OK. Yeah. Season, but I loved the first season. Yeah. So I didn't watch it. I, I, you know, I kept popping up on my recommend or whatever. And I the imagery didn't really leap up to me. I wasn't super. I don't know. It, it, it just didn't really. I didn't know what it was about from what little I saw. Yeah. And it, it just didn't grab me. I was like, whatever. Just, I'm just going to move on. And then as the season finale, I don't remember hearing anything about it for season one, but season two, as the finale was coming up, all of a sudden my whole feed was White Lotus. I'm like, That's oh, damn, exactly really what I shit? had. That's exactly so, what I yeah. had. I had people posting entire stories going like, no spoilers, I'm about to watch it. And the people yeah. that had watched it going, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. So I was like, okay, what is, what's yeah. going on? I need to check this out. So just like Same. you, I went and watched season one and I was like, man, this is great. This is so much So, cool. well, it's funny because I watched, I, you know, it took me a little while to really appreciate what was good about it because I, I think I got, I was, you know, probably halfway through season, or episode two, uh, maybe even the start of episode three. And I was like, why am I watching this show? I was like, like, you know, the, well, like, you know, the, the rising tension was like, cool uh and like the cinematography is always obviously gorgeous but i'm like i would like i don't understand what the like major appeal going on here is like it's just a bunch of people bickering and being shitty and um, this is like yeah it's just dumb drama for no reason but then you know i i guess i i had noticed the different pieces of like the themes that were being discussed of like money and you know class and all this stuff but it, i guess initially it kind of seemed just like surface level and kind of separate stories but as they started like crossing and like the the bigger themes set, kept getting deeper and like the, the way they were representing different characters dealing with these uh, instances and stuff. I was like, Oh, okay. This is getting kind of deep. And then the more yeah. I kind of was del delving into that, I was like, Oh shit. Okay. And I'm like, Oh shit. This shit is like really well written. And then obviously yeah. it like comes to the finish. And I was like, okay, that was fire. And then season two yeah. takes a whole different location and it kind of switches up things with the way. And now that you kind of have a familiarity with how the show is working, like, Oh damn! This is a really like I really was not keyed into the genius of the show initially, and was really like, why is this show so popular? And then by the end of it, I was like, oh okay, this show is fucking fire. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can't wait for season two, man. I mean, like, it's just great. It's great TV. Like, and I love when you see. It's like I'm a big fan of um, like a lot of what Ryan Johnson does because I love when you have like a bunch of character actors who are just hamming it up and loving it. And that's what yeah. that's great about White Lotus. It's like some of the best character actors just fully getting into it. And like turning the dial all the way up to eleven, which I I love shit like that. You know? Hell yeah, so, yeah. Glass Onion was fire too. Great, for uh, yeah. great sequel so to. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna say something. I did love it, right? I don't know if you if you know what I mean. Don't you feel like Netflix movies look like Netflix movies? Like they just have this weird look about them that I think 
if I was watching it in a the theater, I'd be like, what's off about this? You know? And it's like, because like the first, the, the both um, Knives Out and, and Glass Onion have the exact same cinematographer, mm-hmm. but I feel like Glass Onion doesn't look as good as Knives Out. Mm. Uh... And it's got a bigger budget. Yeah, and uh, arguably like a better location. Like it's like it's not ugly. Don't yeah. get me wrong; they both look great. But there's a, like a filmic quality to the first, hmm. and I don't know if maybe it's because they went from film to digital. But like, right? I just, I just feel like there's a. I don't know if you know what I mean, but like Netflix movies look like Netflix movies. Like The Gray Man looks like a Netflix movie. Yeah, I was just trying. Like, that was actually the next thing that came to mind. Yeah, yeah. Even Extraction, which is a good action film, a fun popcorn flick. I don't think it I saw doesn't... that's the Chris Hemsworth one. The Chris Hemsworth one, yeah, yeah. It's like a one. great film, but it doesn't look like a real film. There's mm. just a weird. I don't know if it's the, the type of cameras they use. I don't know what it's. It's a weird. Like I'm not trying to knock that studio. Like it's it's great that they're giving a lot of first time directors and writers. Yeah, these platforms, you know. But I wonder if yeah, it's a formatting situation, uh, because like a like a 4K or maybe even a high frame rate situation. Because like, all right, so did you see? Are you familiar with like HFR high frame rate stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so did you see the new Avatar movie? No, but I've heard things bro, about it. Bro, I, all right, so admittedly I'm not a huge Avatar fan. Like I thought the first movie was yeah. kind of trash with the white savior complex bullshit. And uh, like yeah. the CGI was phenomenal. It's just Pocahontas with Bloopy. Yeah, the story was whack. Okay, so uh, the new movie, I'm watching it. And again, I'm like, okay, the story is kind of whatever again, but the CGI is great. But I'm watching and it keeps like dipping in. And I, I okay, usually if you go in to see a high frame rate movie, it tells you that on your ticket. So you know you're buying a ticket yeah. for a high frame rate movie. For anybody that doesn't know it there, all like industry standard is 24 frames per second. I know that might not make sense to you if you don't know what we're talking about, but that means it looks like a movie. It's the difference between if you're watching videos on your cell phone that you recorded versus like a movie. It's got that cinematic quality. It's actually because the frame rate is going 24 frames a second. If you increase that, it makes things look super smooth for those that have seen like the newer TVs that have like that smoothing thing going. It makes everything look like a soap opera. That's what I'm talking about. So normally, like there's a couple of movies that have tried higher frame rate. Uh, most famously was the Ang Lee, Will Smith, um, uh, Gemini Man. Man. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that film was actually shot. Sorry, in 100- I'm just going to cut you off to say like, I love that idea. Will Smith is possibly the worst person to do that idea with because he's not aged in 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Like you've got to find true. someone like Bruce Willis where it would actually be impressive when you yeah. see the young guy. Like, true. Sorry, um, anyway, go on. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so that movie was actually filmed in a way that literally only like 12 theaters in the entire world could show it in the full version that it was recorded. It was recorded uh, IMAX, 4K, 120 frames per second, which again, normal frame rate per second is 24. Ang Lee recorded it in 120 frames per second. Uh, and then also in 3D. So these four things literally made it unwatch- or unshowable in like 99.9% of theaters across the world. It was literally only a few. <laughs> like uh, it, even in Los Angeles, I think there was only like four theaters that could show it. And even the one, even like two of them, the kid or whatever, could only do it in 60 frames per second. It couldn't do the full 120. And if you go look on YouTube right now, you can actually find the 60 frames per second one and you'll see what I'm talking about. It really... We're used to seeing motion blur because it's only 24 frames a second. You yes. see motion blur. So when things are going fast, it looks blurry, not super crystal clear. And that adds a bit of chaos and energy and to, to what you're watching. Um, when, when you're watching in a higher frame rate, everything is in hyper focus. So it almost looks yeah. too good and it, it just doesn't match what you're used to seeing. So back to – so they usually uh, let you know on a ticket if you're watching a high frame rate picture. They did not tell you that in going into Avatar. So I'm sitting here watching it and like – the weird thing about it is it's not the whole movie. It's it, it's intercut with regular. Mm-hmm. So you're so you're watching like one scene and it looks great. Everything looks super perfect because it's running at 24 frames a second. It's like a close-up of them talking. And you're like, wow, this looks fucking amazing. And then it cuts like literally the next scene is like somebody moving, doing something crazy, like flying or something. And it's like got that super smooth thing going. And, and it kind of almost makes it look cheap. Like the CGI looks amazing, but it's like too yeah. sharp and too smooth. And you're like, it just kept taking me That's out of weird. it. And, and again, if, if the whole thing was in HFR, I probably still would have hated it, but at least it would have been uniform. You could get used to it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Instead, it's like every little, literally like it'll be like a five second or 10 second shot of like somebody talking and then cut back to like somebody flying and it's you're back to 48 in your frames per second. And they're like, dude, this is so jarring. I'm like, I cannot believe James Cameron watched <laughs> this movie and was like, yeah, that looks good. That's what I want as my finished product. I mean, I, I love James Cameron, right? But like, it's insane to me that he's basically decided he's going to dedicate the last decade of his career to making this a franchise. Like there are so many things he could do. Like, I mean, I did, did you ever see um, Elite Battle Angel? So it was, um, it was the, 
uh, manga slash anime adaptation that he was working on oh, for Alita. Like 15 years. Alita? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then yeah. he just got bored and was like, Robert Rodriguez can have it. And like, I liked what Rodriguez did, but the whole time I was watching it, I was like, oh man, if Cameron had stuck with this, this would be something, you know? And yeah. it's like, I've heard about, I've heard like three or four different projects he's been offered and turned down because he's obsessed with Avatar. And I get it. Like if it's your baby and right. you created it, you kind of want to see right. it. Right, yeah, completion. you're on IP and shit. But like, for sure. But realistically, at this age, these are probably going to be the last films he makes. So it's yeah. a shame that he's not going to do anything else other than Agreed. and Savior. And, like it's, and the weird, the weird we thing about it. it too, the weird thing about it too is like it seems like culturally we all are kind of like good on it. But I, like I, I can't believe it's making this much money. I really thought it was going to not flop. So you know, it's so funny you use the do... word culture because someone tweeted the other day that like. Avatar has no cultural impact. This is what's so yeah. bizarre about it. Like, yeah. if you look at every, you know, how we can just we'll have this debate another day about like what the MCU has done to cinema. But like, all those films have memes. They've become part of stand-up comedy and and SNL and these type of things. And you know, even something like Hereditary has memes, and you know, mm. Midsummer has memes. Like, they they add to the cultural discussion. No one ever talks about Avatar outside That's of when not. it's been released. <laughs> yeah. Somehow. It's been out for three weeks and it's become the best-selling movie of all time. Like, yeah. it's insane. Who are these? Really what, what's happening? It, <laughs> I really thought it wasn't going to make uh, make the top ten, and it, it somehow made it. And I'm like, God damn it! And I get so mad about like, it. It's like, nuts. It, dude, like Avengers Endgame I mean, finally beat it. I beat the first one, and I was so happy. And then they re-released fucking Avatar and they reclaimed its its top spot. I was like, motherfucker! <laughs> right? Like, it's, and the thing, I almost get the first one because. You know, this makes me feel old, but there's a generation of kids who like who haven't even seen it. They weren't even born when it came out, and yeah. they want to know what the fuss is about. Yeah, but, like it's still baffling to me. Like you say, like the sequel could, could come out, and now that's like how? Who were the people? Like who was watching this movie? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I did it. I did go and see it, but uh, like you know, but I go see Mar like Marvel movies like six times or some shit. So like, yeah, I like there definitely have to be people multi multi watching this movie, and I don't know how anybody could do that. Like I, I will say again that that high frame rate was driving me fucking crazy the whole time. So I was like, <laughs> about halfway through, I was like, dude, maybe I will like come back and watch this regular and see if. I like the movie better. It makes a difference. But then I was, yeah. but then I was like, oh, this movie's like three hours and fifteen minutes. I'm definitely not doing that. This is <laughs> it, you know. And like you say, there's people multiple watching. It's like that's like nine hours of your life, bro. Happening. But I can't say shit because I will easily do that for Marvel all day. Like on oh, a good Marvel movie, yeah. So if it's your bag, it's your bag, I guess. Did you ever hear the um, the trivia about Matt Damon in the first one? Matt Damon in the first Avatar movie. So he was cast as Jake Sully. Oh, okay. And he was kind of on the fence, and Cameron was like, "Look, if you do this." you can have like, I think it was like 10% of the profits. Ooh. And so Matt Damon was like, okay, cool. But then I think they had to do res reshoots on, I think it was Born Ultimatum. Mm. So he had to drop out. Mm. And so he, he ended up like doing that, you know, went in separate ways. And he was talking about it the other day and he was like, every now and then he just thinks about it. Cause I think it would have been like 250 million that he would have walked <laughs> away with on top of his fee. So he's like, yeah, every now and then I just kind of like stare out the window. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like what, what do you need the extra money for Matt Damon though? What's 250 more on top right? of what you got? You know what I mean? I was gonna say, so um, I've been watching a series called Slow Horses, which is on Apple TV Plus. I don't usually mm. subscribe to Apple TV Plus, but I just got. Dude, they have the, some um, bangers. They do, they do. Um, so like, I watched Ted Lasso just to shut up everyone who wouldn't stop talking about it, and that is yeah. one of the best sitcoms of the past decade. Like, so I couldn't I agree more. I'm not a fan of like feel good, like, but Dude. the characters are great. Like, Absolutely. and it's not smoky or like it's just, and it's one of those shows that does what a lot of the best comedies do which is that you could have an episode without the protagonist mm. and you don't mind because every character is fleshed out and realized sure. and have real motivations. And like, it's just great. I love all Dude. the characters. Like it has something to say. It deals with like to toxic masculinity and like trauma, but like in kind of the most entertaining, fun, like Dude, way. It is unbelievable. For, for, for a sport like, you know, English football, which has elements of racism and this toxic masculinity and mob mentality like it explores those in such a healthy way and it explores mental health in such a healthy way and mental health in in men especially and not being able to talk about trauma or, or honestly i can't say enough about it. if you haven't watched yeah. it it's worth it's subscription it. alone but like go ahead it's quickly <laughs> become a comfort show of mine like uh you know i've been going through a couple like some some tough times recently and uh that show has really been like a go-to for just like the pick-me-up vibes and just like feel-goods. 
because it is it, like it's genuinely still hilarious when I watch it. Uh, boy who plays Roy Kent, freaking just kills you every oh, scene. Roy Kent might be my favorite TV character of the past decade. Like he's so yeah, he's good, amazing man. And then you know Ted obviously is a is a home run hit. Rebecca's amazing. Honestly, the cast is just full of like beautiful casting, amazing story writing. Like even just like it, you know what's what's interesting about Ted Lasso really I think is like, all right, so you have a show like fucking. Big Bang Theory, which is not a good show, but like the masses love it, right? It's like, but if you, right, but if, but like, so if you're like the general masses, oh, love that show, but if like, you know, writing and good TV, it's ass, right? So it's rare kind of, you have a show that's like, it's almost what we're talking about, like you write a show for kids and you write a show that's good for adults too, right? Ted Lasso is that kind of show. It's a show that's like good for the simple minded people that aren't like aware of story structure and, and all the good things that it's doing. But even if you do know all that stuff, the show is still a fucking masterpiece. Like it's exactly. so well done. And it's, it, it's, it's almost like, I want to say like, it's like a harsh word. I feel like it's deceptive because it starts off and you're just like, it's this happy go lucky. And it just, the themes it explores. And it's, it's so good, man. Like I can't wait yeah. for season three. And just like, whilst we're talking about, uh, you know, giving props to people in the creative team. I don't know if you saw any of the making of season two, mm-hmm. but a lot of season two happened during the pandemic. Oh, okay. So like, an insane amount of that is filmed on green screen. And even oh, things shit, okay. like when you see shots in the stadiums, I think they hired like less than 20 people and then they just copy and pasted them to make the crowd. Wow. Damn. Like it's just the, the lengths they went to are nuts and it looks flawless. Yeah. Um, so yeah, go watch that if you haven't watched it. Um, but I've been watching Slow Horses, which is also on Apple TV. And that is basically about a section of MI5 who were all essentially failed and terrible. But <laughs> MI5, rather than just completely get rid of them, they realized, well, if we have missions that are maybe slightly outside the realm of, you know, if they're very morally gray, we can use these guys because they obviously still want to be at some of some use to us and they're expendable. Mm. So it's about a unit that is basically like they're the outcast. They fail their initial training missions, but they show some promise. So when MI5 has a horrible mission they send these guys in knowing that if it all goes wrong they can just throw these guys under the bus right and they're good they're, they're, they're good agents are protected what is the um, tone of stars, the show it's a black comedy okay cool um and so it's uh it's mostly unknowns in the actual unit but the head of the unit is played by gary oldman oh um, wow, okay who is just like having the time of his life of course and yeah his his character's a real piece of work Nice. Uh, like he lets them know from the jump i don't care about any of you <laughs> and the only time he kind of really looks out for them is like it's because it's his unit right. so it's a matter of pride if something goes right, wrong sure. it's like it's his name attached to it but it doesn't care about you as a human being yeah sure yeah and once again it's one of those ones i kind of like i i watched a lot of things on the app and kind of like got to a point where i was like oh, i guess i'll watch this and i love it so yeah highly recommend that did you check out a uh, mythic quest on there i couldn't get into it which really? is like and i was really disappointed because Always Sunny is one of my favorite things so of all good. time. So when I saw Rob was doing this, I was like, yeah, sign me up. And I don't hate it, but like, I don't know, from such a talented writer, creator, like there are scenes in Always Sunny that I have watched a thousand times. <laughs> and I was still like, like I was watching Golden God yesterday. Like <laughs> when he goes into that speech, I lose it. Like, I burst into tears. So yeah. I was hoping for something like that. And Mythic Quest is fun. It's good. I don't know, like, once again, it's, it's expectations, isn't it? How far did you get, though? I maybe got halfway through season one, and I just kind of, like, tapped out. Mm. It is a, a, an impossibly different show from uh, It's Always Sunny. So if you're expecting anything along It's Always Sunny, it's completely different. Uh, but yeah. it, I, honestly, I think Mythic Quest does really get to, like, there's an episode in, like, late season one that I think kind of uh, elevates the show. I'm not going to say, you know, it's not necessarily going to make it, like, if it wasn't working for you up until that point, I don't know if it would win you over. But if it was working for you even a little bit, I think that episode really is like, oh, this show is like not just just the funnies. Like they do kind of start bringing in some like elevated themes and some emotional like resonance throughout that is pretty cool. And they do like an entire episode that actually has none of the main cast in it. Oh, dope. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Have you seen Smiling Friends? I watched the first two episodes, I think. If you get a chance, check out the rest of the season and check out the Brazil special. The Brazil special is one of the funniest things I've seen in a long, long time. All right, well, I'll definitely have to check it out. I remember liking it, but something happened. I got distracted and I just never went back. But yeah, it was pretty yeah. cool. To, to anyone who hasn't watched it, it, it started out as a... It, it's actually, it started out as a podcast. The two creators 
used to make a podcast where every episode they would each have to pitch a show that's just terrible. <laughs> Word. And, and the thing about Smiling Friends is like it's essentially whatever group of people were employed to just help cheer up depressed people. And the re the listeners of the podcast wrote and then were like, no, we we wouldn't hear that. Like, and I think when they were pitching, they were they were, they were talking about the fact that like no two characters would be animated in the same style. Right. And so like you have scenes where you literally have a claymation character <laughs> talking to a three D Pixar character talking to the most crudely drawn worm <laughs> right? Um, who was like voiced by Finn Wolfhard. Like, it's just bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Their fans were like, no, you should make that. So they did like a quick five minute pilot and Adult Swim was like, here's a bunch of money, go make it. <laughs> yeah, it um, and it's just, it's just great. Like, it's all self-contained and it does, funny enough for like a show about weird animated characters, it has some of the most realistic dialogue and pacing of dialogue and, you know, characters Ooh. talk over each other and they sometimes ramble and it doesn't go anywhere. But like in a way that you've had those conversations with your friends. But Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for your time. Let the listeners know where they can find you, like let your social media, let them know what you, what you got coming up. I uh, appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, my main thing is Instagram, I guess. It's at Nick Hampshire. That's N-I-K. There's no C there. So Nick Hampshire. Um, I'm currently kind of retooling it. I was mostly kind of modeling for the past years while I've had it, but I'm kind of retooling it to be more aligned with what we're talking about in the show, actually more uh, media based reviewing and making content around movies and TV and stuff like that. So definitely follow along if you enjoyed what I had to say about stuff uh, today. Um, yeah, that's probably the best place. And then I actually do have a podcast that I'm doing of my own with a couple of friends called Pop. Porn and Ketchup. It's on all streaming services. Nice. And it's just uh, me and two friends and we bring a guest on every week. And, uh, you know, we're just kind of ripping through a list of, uh, you know, big classics or indie classics that, um, you know, the three of us have kind of missed those movies that you're like, oh, I can't believe you've never seen that movie. No. And we finally get around to watching it and, uh, you know, doing a little review. And so we kind of compare what the new people who haven't seen it think of it versus what like the people that have already seen it. Um, it's usually pretty hard to stump me. I've seen a lot of movies. So most <laughs> of the times it's everybody else that hasn't seen it. But um, it's always nice to catch up on some uh, some old or new ones uh, or old ones that I haven't seen. So. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah well, well, I'll, um, time, I'll put, um, I, I'd love to. Yeah, 100%. I'll put links to um, all of Nick's stuff in the description. Nick, thank you so much again. I will catch you guys next week. It will be a hip hop episode. But yeah, check out Last of Us. Be sure to like, subscribe, send this round to all your friends and that. And we'll catch you next time on Panels and Bars. Peace. Mm -hmm.